welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. Uh, that's a hot take. That's a scorching take. Uh, I'm not afraid to be bold, though. Thriving, surviving, and watching Rutgers football. There's nothing to respect about Rutgers. You know what? It's pain, but we look good while we do it, man. Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. We're recording this on the evening of Thursday, December 26, 2019. Uh, This will be one of our final podcasts of the year 2019 uh, in the lead up to not just bowl season in general and the heat of bowl season, really, before Big Ten play, uh, but the lead up to the Fiesta Bowl and uh, the Ohio State-Clemson game, which is what we're going to be talking about today and uh, just all things Ohio State football today on the 1st and 10. Uh, no Griffin today, but joining me in Nashville, Tennessee, is Reed Murray. Reed, what's up? What's up, Patrick? I uh, just want to give a shout-out to my boy Santa Claus this year. Really came through this Christmas, and I hope he did for you guys too. I agree. I think so. Uh, right now I'm using new recording equipment I got, so uh, if uh, you hear a difference in sound quality, that's the new microphone talking. Uh what was your favorite Christmas present or whatever holiday you celebrate? Um, one that I got that was uh, really nice was a brand new Ohio State hockey jersey. I had one of these Ooh. previously a couple years ago. Yeah, that's right. You showed but, me uh, this. Okay. Yeah, I got one that fits, and uh, it's really nice, and I'll be wearing it to some games next year whenever it gets cold. That's a classic design. It's very similar to their football jerseys, the stripe pattern. It is, yeah. My favorite thing is the team's helmets. looks exactly like the football helmet. They even have the bucket leaves that. on it. That's Michigan great. and Penn State do the same thing, and I think that's really cool. I like that, you know, a little consistency. Uh, I got an Indiana football jersey. I got a – well, it's a number one, which I guess is Wap Philly on it. Uh, I got a Jacoby Brissett jersey also. I asked nice. for it in October when the Colts were 5-2. and two. <laughs> uh, It's not aged well. <laughs> aged like milk, just like our takes be- uh, before the Wisconsin-Ohio State game. Yeah. Yeah, and plenty of other takes we've had this season. Yeah. Your cold takes. and We've all had our fair share of cold takes. Uh, oh, yeah, we've documented that on our Instagram. And, uh, well, the Colts, apparently they're considering Justin Herbert. Really? That'd be interesting so, to see. Yeah, if they got him, I would love that. And, like, Brissett's fine, but Herbert's got a chance to be super special. Yeah, I think uh, so. Maybe we can talk about him after his Rose Bowl performance, and I'll have a final verdict on yeah. him after after the Wisconsin game because Wisconsin should be probably the best defense he's faced all year. Should be, uh... except Auburn. Auburn, Auburn, and Wisconsin are both, and he played well against Auburn, but they can't sleep it on off Cal. Anyway. We're not talking about Oregon. Cal has a good secondary. Oh, so. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked about that when we were talking about them in Illinois. I forgot. Anyway, we're not going to talk about Oregon for now. We're going to talk about Ohio State a little bit. Uh, did I have anything else I wanted to say? Oh yeah, uh, I went on the Tommy Divine podcast a couple of days ago. We did a Christmas special. We talked about uh, the concept of uh, sports on holidays and what holidays have the best sports. Uh, my pick was Thanksgiving week. I can see that. Yeah, I, a I lot of good yeah. stuff in Thanksgiving week. Same with Labor Day, Memorial Day. Yeah, I would say Thanksgiving uh, is gotta anyway. be the best because you got. Of course, you got your Thanksgiving football. You got your three NFL games, but I think two days afterward, mm-hmm. and even the day after, you got a couple of good rivalry games. And I think 
Yeah, there's you rivalry know? college football. Yeah. Plus, it's Maui Invitational in college exactly. basketball. Whenever you can see Ohio State play Michigan and Alabama play Auburn, it's a great week. It is, yeah. So, if you want to hear that, plus a little Saturday Night Live talk, and I'll be recording a bowl, some bowl coverage with Tommy outside of the Big Ten uh, in the coming days. So, stay tuned to that. Go check out the Tommy Divine podcast. He's always a friend of the show. Uh, and with that being said, no Griffin today. Uh, he's at a family function out in New Jersey, so he couldn't make it. Uh, we're we're going to do it without him, though. And just like we did in, Colum- or in Columbus, in Indianapolis, a couple weeks ago for the Big Ten Championship, this was the crew, me and Reed. Uh, that's our crew today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that championship game, although it was nearly a month ago. Uh, it's still fresh in our minds because it was the last game we saw this Ohio State team play. So I think we're going to talk about that for a little bit before we actually get into their opponent, the Clemson Tigers, and what we expect from the Buckeyes in their next game. So first, you got to talk about that first half. Uh, well, actually, no, 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 let me start from the top. So you came to Indianapolis for this. We're still working on uh, the video. Yeah, by the way. Uh, amalgamation of everything By the way, um, that's in the works. I have been trying as hard as I can to get this video out as soon as possible, but my computer and my video editing software are not really cooperating with me. I also have a video I just finished. It's a Jonathan Taylor highlight tape from his entire Washington or Washington Wisconsin career, which I'll be hoping to post on IGTV soon. So once my computer uh, figures itself out and starts cooperating. We will have two new videos for you guys, and if you want to see some more highlight-type videos, let us know who you want to see and maybe what songs you want in the background, too. Yeah, and if you've got you've got a favorite player, you've got a favorite team, if you're a player, if you're listening, hey, we'll do your highlights. Exactly. High school, college, you name it. We can, we can hit you up, and uh, that, that's really it with that. And, Reed, good luck, good luck with that video. Uh, Take your time. I'm trying as hard as I can. (laughs) Yeah. Computers are annoying. Yep. That's all I got to say. All right. So he came to Indianapolis. We went to the game. We had a great time. Uh, First thing I noticed about this game, probably 90% Ohio State fans there. Oh, yeah. This was a home game for the Buckeyes. Absolutely. Uh, The crowd was pretty intense. Uh. And in the first half, when Ohio State was down 21-7 to at halftime, one of my friends, my friend Zach, shout out to Zach, he's a big Buckeye fan, uh, he texted me and he said, yeah, it was, it was getting pretty uh, crazy in the upper sections of the stadium, uh, some, some fighting and whatnot, because uh, it was the most adversity Ohio State had faced all year. That, that first half, it kind of showed the blueprint of how to beat Ohio State, and that blueprint was run it down their throats, exactly. and throw screen passes and slants. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they're short passes. They'll kill that Ohio State defense. They'll kill those linebackers. And it's exactly what it did. Jack Cohn was not throwing it deep often, and when he did, it was unexpected, and they could hit a bomb because they were just running, running, running with Jonathan Taylor. And I think that might not be as good of a blueprint for Clemson or for pretty much any other team in the country because Jonathan Taylor is such a good running back, and most teams don't have a guy as good as Jonathan Taylor. And – as good as Travis Etienne. Etienne. Did I get his name right? I always mispronounce Etienne. Etienne. I always mispronounce his name. I'm, I'm not good with the – I think that's a French name. Sounds French. Uh, it's hard to pronounce. Etienne. Travis Etienne. 
uh, as good as he is, he's no Jonathan Taylor. And, oh, I disagree uh, with that. I don't we'll think have to get into torched. that later. You think you think he't Taylor I don't I don't think he's better but um I'll t- I'll talk about ETN in a little bit we'll t- whenever we get to the Clemson I think game. he can hurt Ohio okay I think he can hurt Ohio State but I don't think he can hurt him the way Jonathan Taylor did uh, Wisconsin really found their niche in that first half and they exploited Ohio State for it and credit to Ohio State for adjusting in the second half because they really did adjust to what Wisconsin was doing. They stacked the box against them. They said, Jack Cohen, throw it deep on us. We dare you. And he couldn't do it consistently when uh, that was the coverage Ohio State was giving him. And in that second half, too, Ohio State really got it together on offense. They started hitting their receivers, or uh, Justin Fields started hitting his receivers. He had a bevy of different receivers. Everybody was getting action. Tight ends, receivers, you name it, backs, J.K. Dobbins. It, it was just a feast in that second yeah, half and, uh, compared to the first. And you know, my dad and I were we were we were uh, in the crowd. We were both saying uh, Justin Fields at this point was looking exactly like J.T. Barrett did towards the end of his career. And I was I said I fear that he's going to turn into another J.T. Barrett. He has an incredible first year at Ohio State, gets injured against Michigan, and is never the same. And I really hope that that's not true because J.T. Barrett, I feel like he had. Not wasted talent, but he he did have a lot of he had a lot of talent that was shown in his first year, and it sort of seemed to, to fade away whenever he started being hesitant, and he couldn't make decisions fast, and he didn't know when to run or to pass, and all that. So I really hope Justin Fields does not fall into this. Uh, you know, I don't really know how to describe it, but I hope he doesn't become what JT Barrett became. And I think in the second half he showed he sort of snapped out of it, but. Uh, you know, that offense was not moving the ball in the first mm-hmm. half. And I really think that Wisconsin's offense sort of fed off of that momentum that, that their defense provided. And that was a huge factor. Yeah, and back on fields and back on that fields Barrett comparison, that's almost uncanny, the, the career arcs for them at this point. And what I really did notice from Fields is he was playing hurt, like without oh, a yeah. doubt. And that that's a known fact. And you could tell he just did not look as like as explosive. He was afraid to run, he was afraid to get out of the pocket and like move with the ball. When he was out of the pocket and he had to scramble, he was getting rid of it quick. Uh, there were a couple times uh, on the goal line where they would run a pass play and Fields would roll out and you would expect him to run it into the end zone, but he he didn't want to run it for oh, whatever yeah. reason. He didn't want to sneak it for whatever reason because he, he, couldn't. he just doesn't want to get hit and he doesn't want to get hurt. No. And I don't blame him for not doing it because I wouldn't want to get hurt either when you have that much on the line, when you have a potential championship on the line. It's not worth it, but yeah. And apparently, even today, it certainly did take away from his uh, impact on the game. And if he's only eighty, eighty-five percent, which I don't know what percentage he thought he was at for the Big Ten championship, but if he's at eighty-five percent, which I assume is higher than what he was playing yeah. at in the title game, he still did make a lot of big plays that game with his arm. Uh, I don't know how confident I can be in him compared to how I felt at his peak, which was probably what going into the Penn State game was his peak in that yeah, Michigan so. game oh, he, played, he played amazing before the Michigan. injury. That was oh, fantastic. he was so good, even with the injury. Yeah. Yeah, when he when he came back from that injury and he threw that touchdown pass to uh, Garrett Wilson, that was incredible. But, yeah, he just said – he said recently uh, that his knee hasn't healed as much. And he uh, quote from him is, I can't move like I want to, which is not good at all. If you're playing a team like Clemson, you, you want to have every possible advantage that you can. Yeah, if I'm Clemson, I am daring 
Justin Fields to run to make plays with his legs because I mean well obviously Justin Fields earlier in the season he could make plays with his legs but I am daring him to from the Clemson defense I'm saying hey roll out and run run I dare you because if he does he won't run he just oh, won't. Yeah, I would I would put like he will not all of my all my <laughs> fastest strongest D line uh, D lineman out there and I would get a pass rush every single play make him scramble make him do something mm-hmm. with his feet and I yeah because. If he's scrambling, he's getting rid of the ball quick. He's, and if his receivers aren't open, that's a loss of down right there because he will not run. He will not try and pick up yards with his feet because he does not want to get hurt, and you can't blame him for and that. And I think, um, back to the whole thing about him playing hurt, I think if this is a situation where you have JT Barrett as your starter and Dwayne Haskins as your backup, you play Haskins. If you have, um, if you have Haskins as your starter and if you, you have, have JT yeah, Barrett Martell as your backup, you play you, Martell. Even if you but, had... Even if you or Martell, well, did well, you yeah, see but, him today in the Independence Bowl? He played five plays and got benched. Well, I think Martell could do. You know, it's just Chris Chuganov is not there yet. He's not good enough to the point where you can say, okay, Justin Fields is fifty fifty. Let's mm-hmm. play the backup. He's just not there. I would Absolutely. rather have a hurt Justin but if Fields did, than a healthy Chris Chuganov. Say it was it was two years ago and you had J- Joe Burrow. Exactly. In the oh, bench, I would love to was, Joe Burrow even further. Ohio State. Oh, could you imagine? Uh, could you imagine? And even further back, if you have a uh, Cardiel Jones on your bench or a JT Barrett on your bench, uh, depending on who they were playing at the time, you would roll with the other because yeah. you don't want to risk injury and you want to have as many, as much flexibility as possible. And if that guy's just not working, then you put in the other and you roll with him and you get it done. Exactly. And almost like the Alabama situation last year, they, they had a embarrassment of riches ohio state doesn't quite have that this year although no, not at all i think chuganov is a good backup i, I just don't think he's quite ready yeah. for the prime time and you and you don't want to give him his first meaningful action in the college football playoff semifinals yeah. that's not fair to him and that's certainly not fair and to about chuganov like no disrespect to him but if i was if i was the head coach at indiana i would play michael Penix jr and peyton ramsey before i played chris chuganov he just i just don't think he has elite power five talent i think he can play in the big 10 and he doesn't i think he'd do well he doesn't have the experience is my other thing i mean he's not what i would get about some of these ohio state quarterbacks you learn these things with experience he's not he's what i would say about him and what i've watched of him he's not a jump off the page sort of talent but in three years he can be a very very solid starter well the thing is he's graduating or this is his senior year he's done after this year this is his senior year you're kidding well, that's because oh. he was a transfer from he was a transfer from West Virginia, and what I don't get about some of these transfers oh, into Ohio why. State is that uh, you're not getting playing that's time. That's why. That's why. Because I was thinking, oh, he's just brand new at yeah, Ohio no. State, so I guess I was thinking he was like a sophomore. Matthew or Baldwin. I knew he was a transfer. He was a uh, he was a backup at Ohio State. He was. That's the guy from U. That's the guy from UK, right? Uh, no, that's Gunnar Hoke. Matthew Baldwin was a freshman last year, true freshman. He got redshirted, and a lot of people were saying, oh, he might beat Fields for the job. He might get the job, but he transferred, and I believe he ended up at TCU, and he might. He might be sitting out a year there, but uh, he was potentially going to be the next guy at Ohio State, or maybe uh, he was going to be the next sort of uh, JT Barrett guy where he's a backup and he uh, can shine here and there. But, yeah, he transferred, and now now you just have these guys who Mm -hmm. you couldn't get playing time at Kentucky. You couldn't get playing time at West Virginia. So you transfer to potentially the best team in all of college football. I just don't see the logic there. I don't see any reason in that decision. Maybe that's – 
maybe you think the coaching staff is going to be better and the, you'll learn more that's and you'll true. get better and you'll improve. Well, I think if you're a freshman or so and you got and well, you got here's Day what I here's you, what I've seen. That's good, but if if you've played three first-hand seasons, experience. I don't think you can transfer into Ohio State okay. and shine. First, okay, first-hand experience here. My cousin was at Purdue. He transferred from Purdue, which was at the bottom of the barrel in college football at that time under Daryl Hazel, to LSU, which is LSU. You know, one of the top elite programs, and his idea was. Number one, the Purdue coaching staff didn't like him very much. And, I mean, that was what it was because he was a Danny Hope recruit, not a Daryl Hazel recruit. Uh, secondly, he thought the coaching staff at LSU would like him more. He loved less miles. And uh, third, he just thought opportunity would strike better. And maybe those guys think that there's going to be a better opportunity for them and there's going to be better talent around them at Ohio State than there would be at UK or West Virginia or wherever uh, that can help them expose their talents more i get that but you know on the other hand ohio state specifically is known for having an abundance of talented quarterbacks especially the best example of this is obviously going to be the 2014-2015 season which is why uh really good quarterbacks playing for you but even now you had that's why the the lsu comparison i had does fall a little bit flat because lsu before joe burrow was known as they play defense and that's what they do well what's a quarterback what's a quarterback yeah so yeah, I I just don't understand that whole. Why would you know you're you're being Will Greer's backup, and then you say, you know what, I'm gonna go play at Ohio State. I'm gonna see if I can get playing time when we have Dwayne Haskins, Tate Martell, potentially Justin Fields, guys like this all coming in to play quarterback. I just don't see where you where you fit fit yourself in there. Okay, speaking of Will Greer, quick tangent. Uh, I saw him play this weekend in Indianapolis Colts Panthers. Uh, that guy was not good. Oh my god, he was so wow. bad. He threw about three interceptions and like uh he was horrible. And uh quick shout out to the guy in the Chris uh the Chris Mack or the Chris Mack. That was who's Chris Mack? I feel like that's that's another person. In the Austin Mack jersey I saw at the Colts game. That was cool. Oh yeah. Love seeing representation. Mac is another thing about yeah, Austin Mack yeah. is he is an incredible talent, but he has not gotten the ball much this season. And that's not to say that he's not no, great because they have just, yeah. too many good receivers, too many cooks in the exactly. kitchen. There's just there's just so and much that's talent. Not there. a problem. I mean, yeah, it's a good problem to have for the team. They are, they are so deep at receiver, and it's kind of yeah. unfortunate what's, ha- what's happened with Austin Mack's career because he's, uh, he, like I said, he's an amazing player. And last year he was really having he was having a pretty good year, um, and the year before he was as well. But he got injured. Um, I believe it was the TCU game early in the season last year where he got injured. But he got injured early on in the season, and he was not able to come back. And that's just really unfortunate. You hate to see it because he was a young talent, and then he was he was getting older. This was really going to be the peak of his career. And he got a season-ending injury. And now that he's come back, he's come into a system where you got Chris Olave, Benjamin Victor, K.J. Hill, Garrett Wilson, and guys like this. Who are, they're getting touches all the time, and it's just hard to uh, get the ball here. But I think he could – I can, unbelievably deep at receiver. I, I think at the next level he can – I don't think he's going to be the next Michael Thomas, but I think he can play well uh, on Sundays next season. No, and that's the thing with him I was going to say. I think NFL scouts are going to realize that he does have that much talent, and I don't know if he'll be a high draft pick. Like, I don't think so. Uh, probably one of the first – maybe a third rounder. I don't uh, – I would maybe even but, say fourth or so round. But – that's yeah, for I that's think for whatever team does take him. Out. He's a big draft guy. Is he oh, really? yeah, he said uh, he was 
Let's bring him on during draft season. Oh yeah, he's he he said that he wants to get on at some point and talk draft. Because yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure I he, love that. he yeah, that sounds great. Either has or he had a podcast where he talks about uh, the draft. So yeah, that we'll have sounds familiar. I feel like I remember hearing about that. Uh, for the for the uninformed, Seth was a friend of ours uh, in Bloomington this past summer. Uh, we met. He lives in Chicago. Uh, Penn State guy. Uh, He's been mentioned a couple times in the show before, I think. Uh, yeah, my Penn State preview, during, I mentioned uh, him because he gave me – His Penn State, Ohio State special. Yeah, he, yeah. he gave his takes. And I read uh, – I was talking about him and uh, former – he's been – I believe he's been a guest twice, maybe just once, but Jack Calson has been on the show. And he's been on our Instagram story before. I gave his takes as well. Shout out to Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had plenty, plenty of great guests this season. And uh, that's a list I expect to grow. Uh, once uh, we get Seth to do an official episode with us, which uh, I'm excited for. I'd love that. And uh, anyway, we've kind of gone on this uh, mini Ohio State, just general general talk tangent. Is there anything else from that championship game that you want to mention? Because I, I can't think of anything. I think we mentioned that Ohio State figured it out in the second half. They, they started guarding the run and the screen and the short pass better. And they started uh, moving the ball through the air much better themselves yeah. and uh, exposing those weapons that they have. And in the first half, uh, well, you know the game plan. It was run, run, yeah. run. Wisconsin. Short if you want, if we're talking it. about quarterback depth at Ohio State, look at the punter, Drew Chrisman. He might be the new backup quarterback, that amazing fake punt play. Oh, we forgot to that mention was incredible. that. That fake punt play. I thought that was going to be the one because Ohio State was down, I think, about 14, it was 14, seven, nothing, 14 at nothing at that point. They didn't get a – they didn't score on that yeah, drive. Yeah, they had a really good drive, and then Justin Fields fumbled at about the 5- or 10-yard line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he looked rattled uh, at that point, and I thought that play was going to be the one where – I think at that point I said to you, I said, okay – this game, uh, it just turned the momentum. Oh, yeah, the crowd was one hundred percent. Ohio State that. is going was, to. Yeah, it was. Jumping. I thought. I thought the momentum. If you were in that building, you were like, okay, the momentum has changed, and Ohio State is going to win this football game. Oh yeah. And then it did not happen until like an hour later. Yep. Yeah, that was a huge momentum shift. Also, uh, who made the catch? It's been so long. I who made that crazy catch in the back? That was the Jeremy Ruckert, the uh, backup tight end. Ruckert, He's, well, he uh, might. Tight end. He's sort of like a half starter, but he doesn't get a lot of action. That, talking about depth at Ohio State, I mean, this is a tight end who does not get in super often, and he has the talent to make an incredible catch like that. That just shows that's really oh, good to God, see. That, going that to play was insane. Yeah, that was an oh, unbelievable yeah. catch. That, that's one of the plays of the year. Uh, speaking of plays of the year, we're going to have a award show. I think we've mentioned this before, but we have an award show coming up after bowl season, and we've got we've got our award picks in so far. Uh, and our categories, we're going to have some fun ones, some serious ones. And we're still coming up with a name for it. The We'll figure it out. Yeah, I can't think of – we're going to figure it out. Now's not the time for that. Okay, anything else about the Big Ten Championship before we move uh, on? I think that's about it. Yeah, all right. And that was a fun game to go to. Uh, my first time seeing the Buckeyes or the Badgers play in action. So – uh yeah, congrats to the Big Ten champ, Ohio State Buckeyes. Three times uh, in a that row. That being said, count them, three straight. That being said, a couple days later, a couple hours later, next day, they were announced to be the two seed 
in the 2019-2020 Ohio State or behind the LSU Tigers and ahead of Clemson Tigers and Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes will be heading to Phoenix, Arizona, Greater Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona, uh, playing the PlayStation College Football Playoff, Arizona. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Clemson. Battle of two undefeateds. This is going to be a, a good one. I, like, I am unbelievably excited for this game. I am. I cannot wait for Saturday. Oh, yeah. it's And even that LSU-Oklahoma game, um, I don't think Oklahoma's going to win this one, but I think it'll be an exciting game because I think it's, it's going to be, be more a competitive clash than people of, think. It's going to be a clash of two really, really good offenses. Which yeah, they can both. You don't see a lot. It'll be. It'll look like a. Board. It'll look like a Big Twelve game from last season. I think the I was going to say gonna this is going to feel like a Big Twelve sort of. It's going to have a Big Twelve vibe to it, even though they're playing in Atlanta. Yeah. If they were playing this at uh, Cowboys Stadium in uh, Arlington. This would this would feel like a, a Big Twelve game. If you swap out the gold of LSU for white, they'd look like TCU in Oklahoma. Yeah, and I think um, you know both teams. LSU's defense, I th- I think it's uh it's definitely better than Oklahoma's defense. So I, that's why I think LSU is going to come away with a win in this one. But I think yeah, both teams are really going to perform well on uh on the offensive side of the football, and I think the biggest sort of uh, you know, thing that's going to hurt Oklahoma is going to be that they rely so heavily on CeeDee Lamb. He's a really good talent. He's going to be able to make some plays with Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. He's going to make some some good plays. I'm sure he'll get a touchdown or two. But I think at, at some point, LSU, they have a bunch of really amazing defensive backs. They'll find a way to stop him, and Oklahoma's going to have to rely on some other receivers, and I just don't think it'll be enough to get yeah, past even the though Bayou, Even though Bayou Bengals have had a little bit of a rough defense this year at points, uh, it's still LSU, and it's still and They looked DBU. really good last – or not last week. It is the, still last game. DBU. The official DBU is LSU no. in my book. Ohio <laughs> State's DBU. Yeah. I, we can LSU, have, LSU had the title first. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think it matters because, I mean, look at Ohio State, all the people they put in the NFL – they got the best yeah, – or Same with LSU. Arguably the best defensive back in the fall right now, Marshawn Lattimore. They got Gary on Conley, uh, Malik yeah, Hooker. T.D. White. I'm just saying, you got Malik Hooker, Gary on Conley, Bradley Roby, Eli Apple, who's not great, but he's still in the NFL, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, Eli Apple kind of sucks. Denzel Ward. <laughs> can't forget about him. Uh, Denzel Ward's great. He is incredible. But, yeah, all I'm saying is Ohio State has some really good talent. They've, they have had the most DBs drafted out of – any of the schools contended or who are, you know, claiming to be DBU. And I believe they've also had the fir- most first-round draft picks out of those schools in the past 10 or so years. Okay, but I'm trying to maybe think. Maybe that's who, a conversation who else for another LSU, time. Who else LSU had? Uh, they got uh, Honey Badger. They got him. There's... Yeah. Can't think of it off the top of my head. Let's see. Jamal Adams. Patrick Peterson, yep. LeRon Landry, he's not in the league anymore, is he? Uh, I'm not sure. Greedy Williams, right in Cleveland, is he? He's LSU. Yeah, of course he's LSU. Let's see. Tre'Davious. I'm White. reading a website right now that says five reasons LSU is defensive back university and no one else is even close. So posted in October <laughs> well, of 2019. That's... That sounds like a very unbiased news source. 
Okay, no, this like... yeah, this 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 one says about Ohio State. It says Ohio State may have the best claim, but other than Malcolm Jenkins, they are still early on in the list of players they have produced. Right now, they have two of the best backs in the NFL with Denzel Ward and uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So I don't know about that, but I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from LSU. They very well could be DBU. I, I think DBU is split between Ohio State and LSU because yeah, yeah. P- pick your favorite, and it depends on the year, yeah. I think. But anyway, and I forget what the LSU. name of the player is, but they have a really good freshman defensive back this season. Um, oh, another guy. I'm looking it up right now. Um, Anyway, LSU's got great defensive backs, and if anybody can handle C.D. Lamb besides Ohio State, it's them. And... Derek Stingley Jr., that's the guy for LSU. Number 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's awesome. Uh-huh. And I think they've had a couple guys, number 24, who have been really, really solid corners and safeties. And uh, the uh, – yeah, the X factor for me, of course, is Joe Burrow because I think no matter – okay, Oklahoma's got a good offense. Oklahoma's gotten – okay defense LSU's got a pretty good defense and a great offense but LSU's got Joe Burrow Alabama has Jalen Hurts truth hurts Joe Burrow's better mm-hmm. yeah Hurt, uh Hurts is great but I I don't think he's the best player in, I don't think he's the best quarterback in this playoff I think he's the third best behind Fields and Burrow I think he's fourth I don't think he's no. as good as Trevor Lawrence no way I see because my video about Trevor Lawrence, uh, this was made before he sort of went off this season and had – he put up some better stats. I, I was presenting all of his bad stats against the bad teams that they've played. But, I mean, you got to keep in mind, Trevor Lawrence is passing to some of the best receivers in college football in T. Higgins and Justin Ross. And it's just guys like this who – they just make Trevor Lawrence look really good. And I'm not saying he's bad, but he just is not elite yet. And I think he's the fourth best quarterback in this college football playoff. Part of my reasoning for Lawrence is that I'm looking back at last season, too, and just the, the insane stats he put up, especially in that Alabama game. Well, so, yeah, but, I mean, if you watch that game, like, if, if you look at look back some of the highlights, there's so many plays where, uh, especially Ross, Ross made some incredible catches that game because Lawrence just threw some inaccurate passes, and a lot of, the, a lot of his inaccurate passes were just way off of his targets, and it's you know, just just go back and watch the highlights, and you'll see some of these incredible catches that the Clemson receivers make. And it's a testament how good they are, but it's also a testament to some of the inaccurate throws that Lawrence makes. Okay, well, I'll watch that tape at some point. I'm sure I think if I he played, to it. I think if he played at a, in a different conference and wasn't passing to the receivers I had, even if he, if you put Clemson in the Big Ten or the SEC, I don't think he would do as well. Or even the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12, uh, some of the defense out there, would do better than the ACC. And it would really expose Trevor Lawrence a bit. And okay, again, and I still think Trevor Lawrence is a really good quarterback. He still has next season. And I think he's going to go into the NFL as a really good uh, talent. And he, want, he might win the Heisman next year. He might really make some improvements over the offseason and be a Heisman quarterback. But I just don't think he's there right now. All right. Well, let's talk about Clemson a little bit. So Clemson Tigers, they're undefeated. Uh, they have beaten up pretty much everybody on their schedule. They come off an ACC championship game against Virginia Cavaliers, where they put up sixty-two points. Can I just so say they, that, they can score? Can I just okay, say first right of all, now, Clemson is a weak schedule. You go. Yeah. Um, Virginia is not a ranked team. They're only a ranked team. No, they're not good. So that they, they were only ranked 
so that first off, the ACC championship would be a ranked matchup, and that also they don't want to have an unranked team playing the New Year's Six. That's the only reason yeah, the committee no, no, put no. them up there. It's no, just Virginia's to make them not, not look like Virginia's not actually that good. I am 100% with you. Virginia is a – like, they yeah. are – they are there for show. They are there to make it look like the Orange Bowl is a decent matchup and not a matchup that Florida is going to win by 50 points. Yeah, I think if you put Illinois versus Virginia Tech, you'd have an interesting matchup. Virginia? Yeah. What did I say? VT. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant, sorry. I meant Virginia. Sorry. Sorry to offend you, Virginia fans. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's none listening to this podcast right now. But if there are, uh, you got a good thing going, but it's not great yet. Yeah, it's still in the process. And it's you know not what? beating hey, Florida basketball good yet. You won the basketball championship, so nobody can yeah. hold that against Virginia's you. Virginia's good at, like, every sport. Like, if Lacrosse? you look at – Yeah. And basketball? I, there's some obscure sports now? like wrestling or something like that, but I've seen uh, – I don't think it's wrestling. Stats. Wrestling's it's a, some, I'm just, it's like probably not wrestling, it. but it's it's something like that. Yeah, Big Ten's good at wrestling. But mm-hmm. there there's, like, four or so sports that they're ranked really highly in. That's interesting because those non-revenue sports, there are some schools that just dominate those. Like even even Indiana, like in swimming and I think track, they're pretty good. But like Indiana swimming just dominates everybody. And Penn State and Nebraska and Iowa do that in wrestling. And Nebraska does it in volleyball too. And, and uh, Ohio it's interesting, State, like the dynamics, like the dynamics yeah. of non-revenue sports. Like, like I said, that. Ohio State is ranked highly in um... – they ranked highly in men's hockey, women's hockey, wrestling, lacrosse. But uh, gonna give a quick Plus shout out men's to the Ohio State and uh, football yeah, to the Ohio State club football team. They're not gonna be going to the college football playoffs this. because they're not, you know, the real Buckeyes. But uh, they've won the club, the national championship for they won uh, the club national championship. I saw that they're on undefeated. Twitter. I believe yeah. the record was nine and zero. It's a really mm-hmm. I never actually heard of this league before until I saw. I, I think I saw it on Reddit college football where they they showed every team who's either won their championship or in contention for a college football championship. Yeah, that was that was cool. And so Ohio State might bring home two football I didn't championships. Know that, I didn't know that club football was a thing really in college until I saw I didn't that. either. I did see that as well. I really thought flag and, football uh, was all there was outside of actual NCAA football. I'm pretty sure – I think at Notre Dame – okay, Notre Dame – this is another tangent I'm going to go off on for a second. Notre Dame at, at their school, their dorm system, it's kind of like the Hogwarts houses almost in the way they're set up and – I think all the dorms play for like the the dorm championship, and it's in tackle football, and they play wow. in pads. I think it's in pads. I'm pretty sure. I'm like ninety percent sure, and they play a championship in Notre Dame Stadium. That's like a big deal. Hmm. I, I don't know. I've never I, heard of that before. when I did a camp when I did a campus tour there. I think they talked about that, and maybe I dreamt it. I, I think it's <laughs> real though. Look, look it up. L- look into that at some point. Anyway. Uh, congrats to the club Buckeyes. <laughs> so, uh, Clemson, let's talk about them. Uh, Clemson, of course, they're undefeated. Just beat Virginia by a bunch. They've beaten everybody by a bunch. They played a pretty weak schedule. Uh, that's not their fault. Their conference is just very weak. I guess they could have scheduled better non-con, but, I mean, they scheduled Texas A&M. Yeah, how were they supposed to know that Texas A&M was supposed to be down? Because they, know, a lot of when they scheduled these games, they They're scheduled these season. games years and years and years in advance. So back when they scheduled this, they probably thought, oh, Texas A&M, that's a big non-conference game. Just like the TCU-Ohio State game last year. See a lot mm-hmm. of that, you know, nowadays. Yeah. You never know. And 
Texas A&M wasn't good. Whatever. Just like Maryland okay, scheduling maybe... Syracuse, too. Yeah. Syracuse is supposed and... to be good. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, neither did Maryland. Uh, even though Maryland, uh, not about Maryland's roller coaster right now. Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> and the ACC also was just so weak. Florida State was bad. Miami's bad. Uh, shout out to Louisiana like major, Tech for proving yeah, right. Louisiana winning Tech winning today. in one of the the ugliest football games of all time. Like I feel bad for watching it's that. It's fitting that it was in Shreveport too. Oh, what what happened to the U? Uh, but, you know, the major programs of the ACC are all down right now. Uh, Florida State and, and Miami. Clemson is a major program of the ACC, and they're up, obviously. But Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech are all kind of down right now. Georgia Tech's down. Boston College is down. Clemson didn't get to play Notre Dame this year with Notre Dame's weird scheduling agreement with the ACC. I think they play Notre Dame next year, though. They should just join the ACC. I mean, they play so many teams from them. They're in it in most sports. Mm-hmm. I want Notre Dame in the Big Ten. I want Notre Dame in the Big Ten. I do, 10. too. I so want to fun. kick Rutgers out and get Notre Dame. Put them in the West, make Notre the West Dame better. Dame. I kind of want them in the East, though, because... Well, like, if you put them in the East. Because, well, okay, well, okay. That'll hurt you as an Indiana tangent. fan. I know it would, but I want to see... Because they should be playing their rivals. They should play Michigan, Michigan State... I guess they have a rivalry with Purdue because of what's that trophy called? The Shillelagh? No idea, I honestly. I think it's the Shillelagh. I saw the final Shillelagh game uh, until, well, they, I think they play next year, the year after, actually. They haven't played in years. Uh, Ohio State has a small rivalry with Notre Dame. Not They'll be playing them um, my first year in college. Uh, Ohio State plays Notre Dame in the shoe, and the year after they play them. At Notre Dame Stadium, it'll be in 2022 and 2023. <laughs> is that is that incentive for you to go to OSU? Do you think? Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe. I'm sure if I don't, which is pretty likely, I'll 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 definitely. Well, I won't definitely, but I will hopefully get a ticket to that game and take a trip to Columbus. If not, um, I can guarantee you, you'll be watching it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll be yeah, back at the dorm or at a restaurant if, or whatever watching. And if game. we are somehow by the grace of God in the same school, I'll be with you for that. I promise. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. Yeah, yeah, at me. <laughs> unless, unless I have to travel to cover something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I th- I think Notre Dame in the East. They could even forge a rivalry with Indiana just because in-state stuff and Indiana's on the rise. The problem is make a ri- in that case they could even make maybe even somewhat make a rivalry with. Penn State because Penn State's like another big time program like them. Yeah, but that would mean you'd have five powerhouses in the East and one in the West, or actually two because Nebraska. But you would have Ohio maybe State, should, Michigan, uh, Michigan Nebraska, State, Penn State, yeah. and North Notre Dame. You got to put one. Maybe of those teams should we just go back to leaders and legends? Maybe. But anyway, there's no way. Know. There's no way Notre Dame. Ever maybe maybe Jim anyway, Delaney so was on worth something all those years ago. Maybe they were onto something. Yeah. But yeah, Notre Dame is anyway. Notre stay Dame will not forever. be in the Big Ten. They need that they NBC money. Stay. They will stay independent for NBC money and their pride because they are too prideful to join a conference. Just exactly do it, please. And that's why and you end up playing seven or five teams in bowl games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had it coming. But anyway, back to Clemson. Yeah, um, yeah, we're back. <laughs> this is about the third time we're back to Clemson, but uh. One of the main things I want to talk about in this game, we previously mentioned it, was um, what I. A lot of people uh, are, you know, the 
one of the one of the biggest things you see when you think about Clemson is you see the quarterback Trevor Lawrence, you see their incredible receiving core. But I think uh, definitely the Clemson player who's going to have the most impact on this game. It's three letters E T N, because this is a really really good running back. We've seen him perform last season. Uh, we saw him perform this year. I think uh, the game against Syracuse last year, if I'm not mistaken, he really played well. And he's he's consistently been a good runner this year. But I think he's really going to shine against Ohio State. And the reason for that is the the part of being a running back that he is the best at is breaking tackles. This dude will run straight into a huge running back and just bounce right off him and keep going. And one of the biggest problems with Ohio State's linebackers and their, whole, and their defense as a whole is the fact that they do not tackle well. They'll wrap their arms around a guy and just let him slip like he's like they put butter on him before he ran in the play. Jonathan Taylor did that a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was why he was able to get so many yards in that game because he really just toughened up and he just ran straight through that Ohio State defense. And I think if Ohio State keeps that up, it might look like the game against Purdue where guys like Rondell Moore would just run with the ball over and over and over and they just would not get tackled. And I think um, that's going to result in this game being a high-scoring one. And I think if, if Clemson runs the ball a lot, then that'll – that'll leave some room for the play action. So I think Clemson will be able to pass the ball um, somewhat productively. I don't think they're going to have an incredible game. Definitely not the type of game you'd see against your average ACC opponent, but I think their passing game will do well. And I think this is going to end up in a high scoring Ohio state win. I'm going to say, I'm going to give Ohio state a 42. Um, or no, I'm going to say 41, 38 in overtime. I think Ohio Ooh, State that's, gets that the ball second. They score game. touchdown. I was going to yeah. say 38-35 Ohio State anyway, but back to your point, uh, I think Ohio State – or Clemson, rather, has to follow the playbook that Wisconsin set in the first half of that game, which is yep, run the ball and throw the ball short. Except but I also, don't think Clemson's going to throw the ball short a lot. I think Clemson is going to run yeah. the ball with ETN, and they're going to throw the ball deep because they have good receivers like Ross who can catch the ball on a deep pass – uh, but guys like Ross and Higgins, they're 10. not gonna they're not gonna want to run these short routes in it. So yeah, no, and I, I don't think, think they will because I who, think no matter who you are, Clemson is going to just run, 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 run. Yeah. They're gonna run a bunch and instead of Okay. Okay, now that I think about it, what they're gonna do, they're gonna run and they're gonna run plays also where they have deep options where they're gonna send Ross or they're gonna send Higgins deep, and then they're just gonna have ETN coming out of the backfield on a screen pass three or four yards downfield if that I see that as kind of an outlet and they can just torch Ohio state for that. And on the other side of the coin, Ohio state has to do what North Carolina did to Clemson, which is because, well, I don't remember. I didn't, I could not find a good highlight of this game where North Carolina, where it was mostly North Carolina plays. It was just mostly, Big Clemson plays and Clemson, uh, like messing up and giving North Carolina easy opportunities. Now, what I the way I see Ohio I couldn't State find I couldn't find it, offense. which is my bad. And I guess yeah. you just have to force mistakes for what I what I took away from it was you have to force mistakes for Clemson, and you have to yeah. make Trevor Lawrence uncomfortable. The way I see Ohio State having success in this game is finding a way to eliminate the defensive line, which I don't think is going to be a very hard task. Because this Clemson defensive line lost a lot of talent to the NFL last year, and they haven't really recovered super well. We've seen this season, so mm-hmm. I think giving Justin Fields time in the pocket to throw to find his receivers that's going to be huge. Because like we said, um, whenever he's been scrambling with his hurt knee, 
he hasn't had a lot of success. But I think if he if he gets room, then guys like Victor, Alave, Mac, Hill, Wilson, they're all going to be open. And he can even find guys like J.K. Dobbins for a short route. And I think running the ball is also going to be – they're going to need to run it well a little bit. Um, so I think the lack of defensive line talent for Clemson will help Ohio State's run game. But I think really it's going to be about Justin Fields having time in the pocket to make these good throws. And he has time. We've seen – Especially in that Michigan game, he had a lot of time to throw the ball, and he's made some really fantastic plays. So um, that's why that's what I think is going to push Ohio State over the line. That and the fact that Clemson on offense, I think ETN will run the ball really well, but Ohio State still does have the number one run defense in the nation. They're going to be able to stop him from time to time. You can't run the ball every single play um, against Ohio State and have success. So I think there's going to be some times where Ohio State forces a three and out, or they make Clemson punt the ball. And I think these wasted opportunities for Clemson, is just, it's just going to hurt them. And um, I think if Ohio State didn't have such a strong uh, run defense and uh, such an amazing D-line with Chase Young especially, um, I think they could really win this game. But I think Ohio State's run defense is going to hold them just enough so that their offense can keep up and Ohio State's going to end up winning in overtime. Yeah, I think these are two really evenly matched teams. And it's hard – like, like we've said, Clemson's played an easy schedule, so it's hard to tell how good Clemson is. Like, I can see Ohio State winning this game 45-10 to 10 because we can't really tell what Clemson is. But I, I think the fact that, that Clemson has been disrespected, that's what Dabo Swinney continues to say, is that, oh, we're the three seed. Everyone wants us out. Everyone wants us um, – you know, they don't want us in the playoff. They don't want us to win these games. I think that's going to be a huge thing. But also, if you look at the other side of that coin, uh, Clemson is still the favorite in this game. And Ryan Day and a lot of these Ohio State players are going to be thinking, we were number one going in this week. We've been cons- either the number one or number two team all season. Clemson has never been a factor in who's the better team. And now all of a sudden Clemson's favorite against us because we beat a top 10 team in Wisconsin. I mean, Ohio State plays incredibly well when they're not favored. The three times in the past five years that they've not been favored were against Alabama when they won the Sugar Bowl, Oregon when they won the national championship, and last season against Michigan when – they just destroyed wow. that number one defense in the nation. So I think that's going to be a huge factor. And I just think Ohio State, they're going to find a way like they have all season. I think it'll be really close. I think it'll be a really exciting game. Definitely the most exciting game we've seen all season. But I think Ohio State pulls away. I, I really just – I can't imagine Ohio State losing this one. I think this will. I think Ohio State will finally beat Clemson for the first time in school history. Yeah, I'm with you. And it would be the first time in school history I saw that stat as well. And – Three, they've only been the dog three times. That's wild. Uh, okay, I'm looking at the box score from the Carolina game uh, for Clemson, and I think my assessment of the highlight reel was right in that North Carolina could not do anything spectacular on offense. Their quarterback didn't even throw for 200 yards, and their running back didn't even run for 100 yards. But uh, Clemson was roughly 50% on third down, uh, 0 for 1 on fourth down, and they had a turnover, and Carolina didn't. So you just got to play mistake-free football, got to try and control time of possession, and force as many fourth down and third down stops as you can. And uh, one last thing about forcing mistakes. I think the fact that Ohio State's crowd is going to be enormous in this game is really going to play a factor. Absolutely. A lot of people say uh, that in Phoenix it's like Ohio Stadium West, and also two days after um, the matchup was announced, tickets sold out, and I'm sure – at least 75% of these tickets were Ohio State fans because Clemson, they got a good okay. fan base. But like we saw in Indianapolis, Ohio State has one of, if not the best fan bases in college football. 
So I think them making a lot of noise, uh, making to... their presence known, it's going to have a huge impact in this game. Buckeyes travel. Uh, they just do. They, they travel really well. I think your dad compared them to fleas. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> which, which I thought was funny because uh, there are a few fan bases in football that just travel unbelievably well. Notre Dame is another one of them. Alabama, it's LSU, Notre Dame, of course, uh, Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind. And Clemson, I think they're also – their fans are a little – tired of traveling probably because they've been traveling for playoff and championships for, for years at this point in Ohio State it's been a couple so I would expect not only for that reason but also because in previous festivals even against other teams that have gigantic fan bases that travel amazing like Notre Dame in the festival uh, Ohio State has had a home court advantage or home field advantage in Phoenix oh yeah that Ohio State so, Arizona uh, crowd is just it's something else it's really there are a like ton. anywhere like I noticed like that said, the last time they were out there. Yeah. Like you said, you can put Ohio State on the moon and people will show up. But yeah, Arizona is probably uh, it's it's one you've seen time and time again. A lot of Ohio State fans travel there, so uh, I guess it's really just the whole West Coast because you know there's there's Buckeyes everywhere, just like there is for every big school. But yeah, lots of fans there, and I think the fact that Ohio State was potentially a playoff team for the past two seasons and they got two seasons and they got left out both of those times, that's also going to be a huge thing for their players and for their fans uh, to think about coming into this game. And last time these two teams met, it was in the exact same stadium under the exact same circumstances, a two-versus-three college football playoff game, and Clemson won 31 to nothing. This has to be on every Ohio State fan, every Ohio State player, every Ohio State coach, anyone involved with the Ohio State Buckeyes, you know they're thinking about this. So I think that also plays a factor. Oh, in this game. absolutely. Yeah. Just as much as Clemson thinks they're the ones being disrespected, so does OSU. Oh, yeah. All right. And I uh, got a text from Griffin not too long ago. He just texted me. Uh, not just texted me. It was said Ohio State 49, Clemson 35. So he, too, is saying it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, and he thinks the Buckeyes will come out on top as well. He thinks it'll be a little bit more of a discrepancy in score, which I could see happening if it does play out similar to – say, the, the uh, Ohio State-Wisconsin game, uh, the latter Ohio State-Wisconsin game, not the one uh, in the regular season, but uh, the championship where Ohio State kind of pulls away at the end and comes back yeah, and, and, you know, and creates a cushion. Once Ohio State gets that lead, it's so hard to come back. We've seen it. Of course, nobody has actually come back. And, they are you know, just so deadly. Yeah, once Ohio State gets a seven-point lead, once so they, it's just so hard to climb up that they hill. Can, they are so good at controlling the ball and just, like, not letting you get it. They don't make it – they don't turn the ball over much. Uh, that's why I was shocked when Fields had that fumble in the red zone uh, against Wisconsin. And J.K. Dobbins will just run it, run it, run it, He's run it. He's really strong. That to is the a point of man. where he will tire out a defense. Mm-hmm just easily because they've got that cushion and they can just run it. They have the luxury of it and the clock suddenly five minutes. And like we've said before, during and after this Wisconsin game, Ohio state, their, their coaches, they make adjustments very well. We saw in the first half, obviously Wisconsin put 21 points on the board and they were shut out in the second half. They make adjustments. Well, when they see, when when they see things aren't going their way, that when, when Wisconsin and Michigan did a lot of the same things, to get yards consistently against Ohio State. They found a way to stop it, and they held Wisconsin scoreless. They held Michigan not scoreless, but they, they did keep Michigan off the board um, a good amount. So it's things like that. And, and, and against Penn State, too. 
that third quarter did not go their way at all. Their backup quarterback, Levis, he played tremendously against Ohio State, and, and the Buckeyes found a way to stop it. It's plays like this where you see this is a really that's, brilliant coaching staff that Ohio State has, and they're, they're – yeah. That's been one of the biggest improvements from Urban Meyer, Yeah, I think. Lot, the assistant coaches compared, are compared to Urban Meyer, Ryan Day. It's been, it's been a really big uh, improvement in terms of their uh, second half versus first half And speaking execution. of Ohio State assistant coaches, I'm, I'm sure I've said this a million times, but huge shout-out to Brian Hartline, former Ohio State receiver, former NFL wide receiver, current Ohio State wide receivers coach. What an incredible job this guy has done. He, he began last season. I think he, he was the interim for uh, Zach Smith, who, as we know, got Ohio State into a, a ton of trouble. Uh, you know, he brought the whole scandal with him. But, yeah, Brian Hartline, he came in as the mm-hmm. interim. He became the full-time head coach once Ryan Day became uh, the head coach at Ohio State. And look at the incredible receiving talent that Ohio State has right now. And I think a lot of it is because a guy with experience – at Ohio State and experience at the next level, he really develops these players well. So, huge shout out to Brian Hartline, one of the best. Not only that, assistant coaches. The guys they have in the the guys they have in the pipeline as well. Oh, yeah. Because lots uh, of good receiving recruits coming in. Marvin Harrison Jr. That, that's one of their big recruits right now. Yeah, you see, Ohio State is, you know, you got some schools like Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, but right now Ohio State's got to be one of the biggest receiving or wide receiver, um, you know, locations for recruits. Exactly. Factories. That's where you want to go if you're a recruit. You want to go to one of those four schools if you want to be one of the best receivers in the nation. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else on Clemson um, that you can think of? I think we've hit on yeah, about everything. The, the and biggest, we've talked about the receivers. We've talked about Trevor. We've talked about The biggest thing about the defense is just we, yeah, we don't know about, much about that defense, uh, though. It's like that's, that's really like Clemson's a big – They haven't been yeah. – that's the thing. They haven't been – they haven't been tested since, since last season. Yeah, Alabama last year and Alabama last year. You know what that was? That was called everybody else on their defense exactly. is gone. Uh, <laughs> I phrased that really weirdly, but uh, that <laughs> what, what am I saying? Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that defense is totally different than the one that played yeah, Alabama last season. We know what this season. offense is because it's a lot of the offense last year was young and they're obviously still on this team. Uh, but yeah, this defense we don't know. It's a lot of new guys. They haven't been tested by even the arguably best team they played Virginia they didn't test them very much so they could be a very elite defense or they could just be a bunch of average Joes who happen to be wearing a Clemson Tigers uniform we will find out this Saturday in two days yeah I can't wait and you said that Clemson's got a lot of young on that side of the ball Ohio State's defense is also very young and I'm not talking about age I'm talking about Chase because (laughs) Most of the season, it's been the Chase Young show. I'm really proud of, proud of that play on words. I'm proud of you, too. Uh, it's been the Chase Young show on defense. Uh, these last two weeks, though, he hasn't had a sack. Uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, no sacks. Uh, not to say he wasn't a factor, though, because he did provide pressure, and he was getting double and triple teamed at points. So you, you can't really blame him. What Number one, what's Clemson's game plan? And number two, what do you think Chase Young's going to produce on um, Saturday? Well, obviously for Clemson, you want to do what Wisconsin. Wisconsin double. Wisconsin double team points. You, know, you want to do points. that if you're Clemson. You want to uh-huh. keep Chase Young off the ball or off your quarterback as much as possible. And because much like much like J.K. Dobbins in that offense, when Chase Young gets rolling, there's no stopping him. Yeah, there's and no I want to back. see Zach Harrison. I want to see this guy make an impact against Clemson. He's a freshman. He comes from the state of Ohio, and I think 
Uh, he's kind of like a backup right now. He doesn't he doesn't get in as much as the other defensive linemen. But I know he has a lot of talent. He's a really strong guy. And I think he might be a factor in this game because I think uh, Clemson might not focus on him as much, but he still is a – he's just an animal on that D-line. So I think he might be able to make a, uh, a couple of big plays. So I want to find out who he is. But I think this game we're really going to learn who Chase Young is. We know he has a lot of talent. We've seen that, especially in the first Wisconsin game. But we've seen in the past two games, uh, now everyone knows that he's this really talented player. He's got a lot of strength. He's got speed. He's got good vision. He can, he can find – he can locate that quarterback. But we don't know how he responds to adversity because he hasn't faced a lot of it. He faced it against Michigan. He didn't respond great against Wisconsin when he faced adversity again. He's had some time to reflect. And he's, he's got he's, – you know, he's fresh. He doesn't – he's not banged up, at least to our understanding. So when Clemson puts that double team, maybe even that triple team on him, um, how is he going to – how is he going to play? And if he doesn't get a uh, very a sack at all in that first half, how is he going to come out that second half? And if I'm an NFL scout, I really want to see this is the game I'm looking at Chase Young because yeah, it's great that he can he can tackle players um, against uh, teams like Cincinnati or Florida Atlantic or Maryland or whatever, or not against Maryland because he didn't play that game. But you get what I'm saying. I want to see how he does when he's facing adversity right. and when he's facing one of the best teams in all of college football in Clemson. Yeah, and well, the lights will certainly be on Chase Young, and I don't think there's going to be a ton of pressure on him from an X's and O's standpoint. There might be from a media angle standpoint or from a fan's perspective, but in between those lines, I think all the pressure for Ohio State is going to be on the linebackers. Those guys have been tested week in and week out. And they haven't responded well. It's one of the weaker positions on the team. They haven't. No, tackling has been an issue for the linebackers, and – I think that's where Clemson is going to score a lot of points by throwing up the middle, maybe not on short passes because I don't think that those guys want to go short really when they, when they can go long, I think they're going to go up the middle test, maybe the safeties or medium length passes to test the linebackers too. And just running the ball up the gut and saying, Hey, tackle me. Yeah. If I'm Travis Etienne, tackle me. You couldn't do it to Jonathan Taylor in the first half. And Travis Etienne, he sheds those tackles, in my opinion, better than Taylor. I don't think he's a better overall back than Jonathan Taylor, but he's he's one of the best um, uh, one of the best yards after contact uh, running backs in the nation. And that could be that's yeah. going to be a challenge for the OSU linebackers, and, and that really won't be a problem for Chase Young. Chase Young's not going to have to deal with him too mm-hmm. much. So, and if if how will those linebackers respond is yeah. the question, and if Ohio State's linebackers can play at least at a decent level and can make the tackles that they have to make on Travis Etienne, then they're going to win this ball. And if I'm an Ohio State uh, coach, like the defensive coordinator, the linebackers coach, whatever, I'm saying to Malik Harrison, I'm counting on you because he's one of the oldest linebackers on his team, yet, or at least he has some of the most experience out of these guys. He's, I would say he's definitely the best linebacker on the team. He's, he beats Pete Warner and Tough Borland by a mile, in my opinion. But um, – you know, even in, in games uh, like the one against Wisconsin, he hasn't really performed well. Or he's done okay, but he, he hasn't been the biggest threat that, that you know, he's been one of the – he's obviously he's part of the linebacking core, which is one of the weakest parts of this Ohio State team, and he's been attacked, and he hasn't responded super well, um, just like the rest of these linebackers. And I'm saying you're one of the best linebackers – or you're the best linebacker on this team uh, – 
you know, you're one of the best talents we've had at this position in years because the linebacking position hasn't been great since Ohio State won the national championship. We need you to step up in this game. We need you to be strong when you tackle ETN. We need you to be strong uh, reading these short pass plays, these screens. We need you to step up. And I think if he doesn't, then that's one. Of, that's going to be one of the reasons why Clemson can score a lot of points in this game. It's going to be him and it's going to be Pete Werner who are going to get uh, targeted this game. And if they don't respond well, which I'm not anticipating they do, uh, Clemson might score a lot of points, which is – that's why I got him scoring 38 this game. And I know, like, I, I sort of worded that – I sort of lost yeah. what I was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in the middle of that whole that whole thing. I know, right. Malik Harrison's going to need to have a good game. That's basically the long – that's the short version. I was picking up what, you, what you're putting down. Yeah, yeah. sorry for uh, rambling there. All right, any – Nah, I, I got you. I got you. Uh, anyway, any anything else on this one? What What do you think? I, I can't think of any other storylines other than yeah, is it Saturday yet. At least Can we got about five or six bowl like, games tomorrow. I am, I'm like a kid on I'm like a kid on exactly. Christmas, man. I, I need this is my biggest present this year is that we're getting close absolutely, and we don't have to wait until January yeah, for stuff it. Stuff is great, but seeing college as a new, as games, a neutral as a neutral observer. Exactly. Priceless. As a neutral observer, Clemson Ohio State has got to be one of the most exciting playoff matches. In oh, the absolutely. Yeah. Like outside mm-hmm. of a championship game, this this game is going to be. I think electric, this is going to be just like the Ohio State Alabama game. I would game. kill to be in Phoenix, Arizona. This is going to be just like the Georgia Oklahoma game from two years ago. It's just going to be like the second ever playoff game um, in college bowl history with Alabama and Ohio State playing in the Sugar Bowl. I think it's two very well matched teams. And I think it's going to be an incredible matchup. And, yeah, if I'm a neutral college football fan or, you know, just not a fan of neither of these teams, I'm still super excited for this one. Yeah, and if I were a Clemson or an Ohio State fan, I would be pissing my pants. Honestly, out of fear and out of excitement, this this game, I would I would be nervous because if you're an Ohio State fan, you don't know what to expect from Clemson 100% because – is going to be the toughest team they've played all season. And if you're Clemson, this is the toughest team you played Honestly, all season. Honestly, there's part of me that feels that. And, and okay, I would say this is the toughest team. This is the toughest team Ohio State's played all season, but not by the country mile that it is yeah. for Clemson. And I sort of feel that scaredness, but I just can't imagine Ohio State losing this season because Ohio State, like last year, I could see Ohio State losing to anyone. They they got destroyed in West Lafayette at night. So I could really see them – I could see them playing Alabama last year and getting beaten 150 to nothing. But Ohio State, they're just a new team this year. I just have so much confidence in these guys. Oh, totally and different. It, of course, if Ohio State loses, it's like it's going to break my heart more than any Ohio State loss ever has, I, I, I think. Well, maybe not as much as the Ohio State-Clemson game from uh, three years ago, unless this one is like it. But I just yeah, – I just nothing. have so much confidence in this team. I just can't see how they lose. If someone says to me, I, I don't get how Clemson's favored. I don't see how you can go against Ohio State. They're, I, they've just been so dominant no. this season. And God, they're just – maybe it, it's, it's got to be my bias being a huge Ohio State fan. But I, I just have so much confidence in Ohio State, and I think they perform well. Like, as I said, I, th- I think it'll and be a close game. But me I, just, as a- I cannot imagine them losing this game. As a guy covering the Big Ten all year, maybe I have a little bias too, but I feel the exact same way. And when I saw Ohio State was a two-point dog, I was like, go bet on OSU. Exactly. Go bet on OSU. Take, take the points. Like, 
Come on. Exactly. I they are just so 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 good. And I think they are I think they're the best team in the country. I think they're better than LSU. But that that's just me. Oh yeah. And I just I just think Ohio State's I like I don't know if they'll win the championship cuz LSU is also at that level, but if I just can't see how you would favor how you would give Clemson um how 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 you would give them two points in their favor or it wouldn't be giving them you you're giving Ohio no. State two points but I don't get how you can favor Clemson by two points in this game. I think at best if any yeah, if anything if if anything a close exactly. to toss up. But I just can't see how Ohio State has been number 1 or number 2 the entire season or not the entire season but definitely for all of the second half of the season and Clemson has never been a factor in this discussion of who's better LSU or Ohio State. Clemson was never there and even when it came to the uh, selection show, everyone's like, okay, who's going to be number one, LSU or Ohio State? There's no way it's Clemson. And once they get announced, it's like everyone's mind has changed. Clemson's better than Ohio State now. I just don't understand that. I don't, I don't see how you can favor the Tigers. I, I think part of, the rash, part of the rationale could be they, want, they think Ohio State fans will put a bunch of money on it if that's they're the underdog because they're so confident. And that's Vegas. Well, actually, so. I, 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 do see how, I do see a little bit how Clemson is here because Ohio State in the past has not performed well. Uh, under this kind of attention, especially the last time they played Clemson, the Fiesta Bowl, uh, and whenever people, whenever they were ranked number two last year against Purdue, and when they were ranked, I believe it was number two against Iowa two years before, they just tend to lose games like this when they come in favored. So I guess you got to maybe the safe bet would be Clemson if you're looking at it from those eyes. But like I said, Ohio State's just a new team this year. It, they're just different than they've been in the past. And they're, they've just been so successful this year. I don't see how it just changes all of a sudden. And I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you all the and way I, I, Again, I think it, a lot of it comes down to Ryan Day. I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. Definitely a very underrated coach. Mm-hmm. It, that's what exactly. it all boils he's, down to. I think he knows Ohio State's struggles in the past under the bright lights. Kind of boiled down to Urban's shortcomings as a coach. And Ryan Day, I've talked about these adjustments ad nauseum, but he's just – a very composed and he's he's a tactician yeah. almost. He knows what he's doing and he is so eloquent at making the right. And he knows moves when to be gutsy in game. And he knows when to dial it down. And he knows exactly like the fake punt. He knew the fake punt. He felt he felt it. it it's it's a feeling as much as it is exactly. a calculation. He's like the opposite of Jim Trussell. Very very he knows good exactly at exactly when to go yeah. for it. Uh-huh. When to do that fake punt or that onside kick against Maryland or whatever. When to go for it on fourth and two. Uh, and he knows when to dial it back so you're not just giving away chances. And it, it, I think a lot of it comes down to his players trust him and he trusts his players just as much. And I think the players really believe in what he's got going there. And I, like I said, Ryan Day, he's he, a lot of this Ohio State success comes out to him. I think he's going to be another huge reason Ohio State comes away with a win here. The present and future are bright in Columbus under Ryan Day. I'll say that. And last note, uh, I think whoever wins this bill is you. Hi again, folks. It's Patrick from the First and Ten. Uh, our segment ended a little abruptly there. You know what they say, death, taxes, technical issues on the First and Ten. So uh, I was just finishing talking about how no one seed's ever won the college football playoff. And to keep that in mind going forward, and that'll impact my predictions a little bit. And I think the Buckeyes will win the championship. So... 
Uh, that's that for our show today. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, subscribe to the pod wherever you may listen. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the first and ten. Spell it all out. Follow us on Twitter at first and one G. And stay tuned. We'll have plenty of bowl season coverage, plenty of Ohio State coverage, and plenty of Big Ten football coverage year round. Thanks. Goodbye.